everyone, to episode 23 of the Gamify Everything podcast. We talk about the metaverse and beyond. Everything Gamified, it's powered by Gamify, which is an audio launch pad for everything Gamified, from metaverse projects to play to earn, esports, you name it. And today we are joined by Sam Joel from GiveTree.io. Welcome to the show, Jim. Welcome to the show, Sam. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Too many hours. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to be here. Um, I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you. And and you were joining us from Australia, right? Yeah, yeah, from Sydney, uh, Sydney, Australia. Well, tell everyone who's joining us uh, in Discord, LinkedIn, Twitch, Twitter, uh, Facebook, a little about your professional background and then how you got into them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, basically, GiveTree is a bit of an epic journey of uh, my personal life and the product. Uh, so basically... About three and a half years ago, I was actually in a really different position in my personal life. I was actually, um, I'd been living, I was homeless and I'd been living in this internet cafe for about 10 months. I was struggling with addiction and mental health problems at that time. And when I was living there, I started sketching out this idea for just this simple charity directory, which was kind of like yellow pages for charity. And then um, that had sort of progressed over time into becoming well, what would happen if you could sort of donate money to those charities through the platform? That'd be pretty cool. And then it sort of progressed from there to, well, what would happen if you could donate other types of stuff? Like what if you could volunteer or what if you could fundraise or donate blood or whatever, donate anything? Like basically, so, you know, for, for the last roughly until like, you know, late last year, the, the main focus I had was being this sort of donate anything platform. So it had been this platform where you could manage all of your different types of donations in one place to, to, to charity. And I felt like that was going to be really, really convenient for people. And yeah, so over the last three and a half years, it's, it's been a bit of a personal journey. Like I've been sober 23, 24 months now, and I'm obviously not homeless anymore, which is good. Um, and the product has sort of evolved a lot during that time. Um, I've also, you know, spoken with a lot of customers. So I've, I've worked with over a hundred different charities over the last sort of three and a half years. And I've sort of understood, you know, what are the opportunities and the challenges for a charity in 2022 and beyond, like on a small scale, on a medium scale, on a large scale, and on a really, really large scale. Um, I've spoken with a pretty diverse range of different charities all around the world across a range of different causes. And Going through that process of trying to create this platform or where you could donate anything, it meant that I had to look at all of the different types of donations. And so I really went pretty deep in, in understanding how the different types of donations to charity work and who the different suppliers are in each of those, those types of donations. And you can really think about each type of donation to charity as its own separate little market. So if you look at volunteering, you're going to find a unique set of products and services um, and suppliers that will help you to volunteer for a charity. Whereas if you look at something else, like maybe you want to fundraise or you want to do a workplace giving program, that's going to have a completely different set of suppliers and products and services, completely different to volunteering or fundraising or you know, all of the other types. And some charities will use some types of donations and not others and, and vice versa and all that sort of stuff. And it was really interesting for me late last year, though, because when I started looking at cryptocurrency, 
and NFT donations to charity. Now, this was really interesting because when I started looking at this, it was like, right, so lowest number of suppliers, highest possible growth curve. So cryptocurrency and NFTs, it was pretty clear they have the potential to, to generate more income for charities as a fundraising mechanism than, than most of the other types of donations combined. Not all, but most. Like there's a few in there that are quite valuable, like stocks, stocks, yeah. donations of stocks is quite a valuable type of market. But anyway, is a, there is a significant amount of resource that can be organized and distributed to charity through cryptocurrency and NFTs. And that's the point. And there's not many groups that are sort of helping to do that at the moment. Now, there is this one really great group called the Giving Block. And we're very proud to be official partners of the Giving Block. And we're working on some stuff with, um, with Giving Block in the GiveTree metaverse, which I can talk about a bit later on. But, but they're basically leading, leading the market, leading the charge in cryptocurrency donation to charity. They've got over 1,400 charity partners and they're doing some really great stuff. So really excited to be working with the Giving Block on that. Um, but a lot of, from GiveTree's perspective, you know, when I started looking at cryptocurrency and NFTs late last year, it was still that sort of donate anything platform. So it was like trying to create this platform where you could manage all of your donations. And so, yeah, basically what I did was I made a decision to pivot the product. So instead of the product being a donate anything to charity platform, it became Australia's first NFT marketplace for good. So a percentage of every transaction on the GiveTree marketplace will actually go to one of the charity partners. Um, and it, it gets built into the smart contracts and automatically dispersed to them. So it's that guaranteed impact. And we've then started building the, the metaverse game, game world as well. So we've built this virtual game world that we've built in Unreal Engine. And that is something that we're now trying to link to the NFT marketplace. And it's really exciting because um, it's basically, it's the first metaverse world for good. Um, as far as we can tell, it's one of the first metaverse worlds for good in the entire world. And so we've now got this NFT marketplace, we've got this game world, and a percentage of all of the, all of the transactions on, on, on those platforms then goes to, to a charity. Now, who chooses the charity and how much? That's completely up to the seller of the item. So whoever is selling the item, you get to choose the percentage, you get to choose the charity or the, the impact partner. Now, we're not limiting ourselves to just charities. You're able to work with, um, so basically what I've done is come up with this term impact partners. And that means that it's any person or group who's, who's solving a problem. And that could be a DAO, that could be a profit for purpose group or a charity. And those groups are the types of groups that we're looking to support on GiveTree across the NFT marketplace and the game that we've built. And it's, it's really exciting because a lot of people over the last three and a half years told me that, you know, GiveTree should really try and focus on just one type of donation instead of being this donate anything platform. We really needed to become this like, specialist and you know, offer something that, that specialized in, in one type of donation. And I really feel like we've done that now. Like we've really found a niche for ourselves with this, with this NFT marketplace in this game world. And I'm really excited about that. I think that, you know, this is going to be an interesting 2022 for us because yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of good things are happening at the moment, which is great. <laughs>
That's amazing. There's so much there. Uh, first and foremost, congratulations on your sobriety. Thanks. Yeah, that's been epic. <laughs> Excellent. And if I understood correctly, so you, you were working on this project for three going on four years. And then in the last, let's call it 12 months, you pivoted into the, the metaverse NFT space. And so that same 12 month period was when you were also homeless? No, no. So I solved the homeless problem, the initial problem, um, back in June 2019. So okay. basically, I was I was homeless from about August 2018 to June 2019. Mm-hmm. And in June 2019, in Australia, we've got this thing called superannuation. And what superannuation is, is the government forces you to put aside 10% of your income. And it goes into a like a trust account almost. It's, it's your superannuation account and it's a savings account that you're not allowed to touch until you turn 60 years old and the idea is that that will be your retirement fund it will help you retire and you can access it on the basis of an emergency though and so i um (laughs) now the the process of applying for this is is a bit interesting it's like the only way that, that I could get approved for emergency access to my superannuation, which I urgently needed. So it's funny. Like the only possible way that I was able to, to get that urgently needed access was by being on welfare on Centrelink, welfare in Australia, uh, by being on Centrelink on welfare for six months. And after you've been on welfare for six months, then you're officially homeless and you can officially access your own money. <laughs> And so in June 2019, I accessed my own money. You're allowed to access up to $10,000 of your super. And I accessed six and I rented a room in North Bondi. And so I, I solved the homelessness problem all the way back then. But the problem is when you, when you want it, when you talk about solving any problem, if, if, you, if you look at a problem like homelessness, it's, it's not enough to just, you, you've got to solve about six or seven different problems for an individual in parallel. You can't just solve one. You can't just say, for example, Oh, just get a homeless person a job and they'll be fine. But that's, you know, they're going to lose that job if you haven't solved the shelter problem or the clothes or the mental health or the or the general health. Or the, you know, they're not going to be able to keep that job. It doesn't make any sense. And so it's the same with shelter. Like I solved the shelter problem, so I had a room in North Bondi, but I was still very, very much so struggling with addiction and mental health. And so I was drinking like thirty standard drinks a day at that point, still, and it was like. By the time, so in February 2020, so I think that's like roughly eight months after I'd moved to North Bondi in June 2019, I'd moved here to South Cronulla to the South Cronulla boarding house in Sydney. And at that point, the drinking was so bad that basically two months after I'd moved here to South Cronulla, so that was February 2020, I'd moved here. So in April 2020, I I had a brain seizure from too much alcohol and I nearly died. I went to hospital for a week. And then I got discharged from hospital, and then I've been sober since then. And that's the the kind of that's how that's happened. <laughs> I'm in complete awe uh, of, <laughs> of that entire everything you just said. So help me because we're on the I think the metric system, or I get it mixed up. Our measurement system is different from everywhere else in the world. When you say thirty <laughs> yeah. standard drinks. This is water. Uh, <laughs> how much is that? Something like this? Maybe this is sixteen. I'm going to use ounces, and I think that's where we screw up the conversion. But like, is it something like this? Thirty of these? How it's it's it's. I think it's like a little bit more than that. I think it's oh, like 
Wow. It's like a, it's like, it's like a, it's like a, a schooner or like, I think, hold on. I actually have to look it up, but <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, a glass of wine is like a standard drink, I think. Right. Okay. So like, okay. Well, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm familiar with what that looks like. I drink beer, but I, I'm familiar with what, what I've seen glasses of wine with, with wine in them. Yeah. And I think wow. for a beer, I think it's a schooner, like a, like a yeah. tall glass, kind of like a tall, tall glass. Tall, here in America, we refer to some of them as like uh, tall boys, like the they're like twenty ounces, twenty four ounces. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, yeah. I'd have to maybe I can look it up afterwards. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a conversation offline about how to convert <laughs> one one large amount of liquid to another large amount of liquid. But again, congratulations on your sobriety. And and I think what's also interesting is that originally you wanted a platform that allowed any type of donation. And you're right, you've now channeled it into a specific niche, but the way that you deploy it, it actually still achieves the original goal. Because if anyone, at least from my very novice perspective, having this conversation with you now for 13 minutes, anyone, if a seller has the ability to pick any kind of charitable target, if you will, then, then basically you can provide donations at scale globally in any market for any cause. Yeah, yeah, you certainly can. Um, it's, and I think there's there's more and more like really creative NFT projects starting to, starting to sort of come to, come to. Um, yeah, I've I've seen uh, recently I've I've seen a, a bunch of really really interesting NFT projects that are impact related and mm-hmm. people are trying different ideas and we're we're excited to sort of try and support. You know as many new ideas as we can it's all about exploring what what the um, potential of the technology actually is for impact um, and so I'm, I'm really excited when I see new new ways of thinking about how to use cryptocurrency and nfts and uh, all of this exciting new technology to, to actually make a real world impact and there's there's plenty of nft projects out there that are, that are thinking about how do we you know, how do we get a portion of this to to a charity or to an, to to make an impact? This I've noted. I don't know if you you've noticed this, but as well, you probably have. But there's it seems like the Web three community is very very good. Like there there seems to be a big focus on like wanting to give back and make an impact. I've seen tons of projects that that do this. Like they they've they've got a charitable purpose or an impact purpose built in already. It's it's really great to see. Yeah, and I was going to say the same thing about your interaction with Giving Block. Um, you know, traditionally, I, and maybe this happens in pockets outside of the play to earn the metaverse space, competitors don't collaborate. Um, you know, we see each other as, as, as threats to survivability, let alone scale. Uh, but in this case, and, and this may not, I'm sure this isn't in the location, you mentioned several other partners. Obviously, Giving Block sees that value because they created that partnership program. You mentioned how many projects are involved, um, people who would normally, and, and this is just my perspective, people who would normally compete with one another are collaborating. I see that more so in the metaverse and play to earn space than I see outside of it. That's cool. I, I'm seeing the same thing. I'm seeing the exact same thing. It just seems like there is there is like a, a motivation in this community to, to want to do good things. And so the old ways of thinking are kind of just, you know, dropping off a bit they're not really they're not really being used as much <laughs> it's like new ways of thinking with the new technology it's really cool to see 
Agreed, agreed. I'm going to do some quick housekeeping stuff for this podcast. Again, this is the Gamify Everything podcast powered by Gamify, the audio launchpad platform. If we have anyone, if you're joining us again from Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, I think that's all of them, and or Discord, um, if you have any questions, send them in the chat. Sam and I can see them here uh, in this console where we're streaming from the video chat client. Um, if you're in Discord, raise your hand. Glad to promote you to the stage so you can ask the question live. And uh, one more item is that we, we have two IDOs that have launched on the Gamify site. One is um, Gami, which is closed. And then the other is Time Raiders, which is distributing now. So if you haven't had a chance to go check those out, go to the website, uh, gamify.gg. You should check all those awesome opportunities. Sam, can you talk a little bit more about what you think the space needs to be scalable, like from the mainstream perspective. I think one of the things you've done very well is, is leverage Unreal Engine, the newest Unreal Engine uh, software development environment to build your game game development environment so that it, it, it has, just from looking at this picture, it has kind of a AAA kind of feel to it compared to things that are more voxel. Not bashing voxel games, but yours looks not like voxels. In your opinion, what do we need to get the larger mainstream adoption that we're looking for? Hmm, that's that's an interesting question. I I feel like there's there's a lot of there's a lot of different things um, that sort of are going to to help speed up the uptake. I think it's it's really an education thing at this point, though. Mainly, it's it's mainly just it's mainly just education. It's like there is a, the majority of people at the moment are not using. Web3 technology in their lives that they're, they're not using it and they're not planning to use it anytime soon. And I think that is just over time, um, the more and more projects that start to start to come to life and the more and more projects that are starting to, to make Web3 technologies more accessible to people, make them easier to understand, make them more accessible, easier to use. The more that that starts to happen across a range of different use cases, um, that's that's then going to help to speed up that education and that uptake. And I think you know we're already starting to see that even in the last sort of twelve months, especially there seems to be a bit of a sort of a, a growth curve starting to occur with with people getting excited and people starting to spend more and more people starting to get wallets and start interacting with marketplaces and crypto. And I feel like that's that's a sort of sign of the times. It's a sign of things to come. Is that I think that's going to continue to happen. I think. What what can a project like GiveTree do? I guess, you know, every time we get a bit of a, you know, we, we obviously want to help that education and help that accessibility and help that uptake to speed up as much as possible. One one good way we can do that is when, when we have a win, like when we do something really good, like if we if we show that you can use the GiveTree platform to, to raise money for a charity really quickly and easily, well then if you know if we if we take that that case as a case study and then we, we sort of promote that around that that can help that can help to, with that education side of things and, and and helping people to understand you know it's not it's not just a, a a random picture of a you know an ape it's it's much more than that there's there's an underlying technology here that has many use cases and uh, and uh, yeah I think it's about just showing showing the world what the technology can do in new in in Ways that are easy to digest and easy to understand. Yeah, I agree with you. 
and our team at Gamify does that. If you follow, you know, our content on any of the social media channels, as much as we're talking about the cool new features and projects on the way, we're also educating, you know, what is an IDO, what are the, you know, WAGMEs and, and, you know, what are the different things you need to understand about the space in, in order to understand, like, what it is to be in, in you know, the play to earn in the metaverse ecosystem and, and function in it, you know, understand about wallets and, and tokens and, and all of that. What I also understand is that I think there's a, a pull demand on what it is you're, you're building in. And that is that organizations, a lot of them will chase the funding if they, they really, really need it. And, and you mentioned something great about like these celebratory moments. Like, for example, uh, unfortunately, you know, the Ukraine is, is uh, nearly at war, at, at world war. Obviously, they're, they're under attack. They may already be technically at, at war with Russia. And the global community has responded by sending like millions of dollars worth of donations via cryptocurrencies and NFTs to support the defense of the Ukrainian society, the, the people, the country. So I think that that's one great example. And I think, it, again, as you see, like, like Red Cross or whatever the organization is, if they're looking to get funding, and I've actually seen that before I knew that you had this platform, you're building this platform. I've seen that over the last 12 months, people saying like, can I accept cryptocurrency as a donation to my 501c3? That's our, our legal classification for nonprofit. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's going to happen more and more. And I think what what big, big events with like Ukraine and Russia and stuff sort of do is is they do sort of highlight, you know, just just how effective the technology is at fundraising on a global stage for the first time in in a really big way. Um, And I think that that type of event is going to actually speed up the uptake and the education globally um, for the new technologies. And, uh, yeah, I think you'll see more and more charities putting their hand up and saying, you know, we are ready to start using this new technology in our in our organization and yeah i think again at the moment it's literally just this 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 time um there's a there's a there's a time requirement at the moment for uh for education um and that that education will over time start will just continue to 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 lead to more and more uptake from more and more charitable organizations globally i think it'll be it'll probably yeah it'll probably be speeding up I would say, yeah, probably be speeding up more and more because, um, yeah, that's just how, how, how that's going to work, I think. With your platform specifically, I know that you mentioned like local impact and, and certainly you want to start where you live because you, you understand the ecosystem and the needs and you know, the stakeholders, key players. Would you be willing to consider like international nonprofits or nonprofits in other countries or are you just kind of laser focused on Australia right now? Yeah, yeah. So we we have over a hundred partners already globally. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of a lot of our charitable organizations are, are overseas. Um, we've got groups all around the world, um, from America to Paraguay. Uh, so yeah, no, it's it's exciting. It's definitely Giftree is going to be global from day one, like truly global from day one when we launch our products and. There's something very exciting about that. I think it it just kind of demonstrates, you know, like where the world is at 
with technology and all these other things at the moment where everyone is like, it really is like a global community, this Web3 community. And everyone's just, you know, I've, I've personally done over 200 LinkedIn meetings with people in the Web3 community around the world over the last sort of 12 weeks now. And it's, you know, I'm constantly like impressed with like who I'm talking to and how humble they are and how like talented they are and experienced and stuff. But they're, everyone's kind of excited just to be, connecting with each other and talking about the new technology and exploring this new frontier together and, and seeing what's possible with it. I think that excitement might not be around forever. So that's a pretty unique type of excitement that's here at the moment that's kind of kind of nice. <laughs> that's true. You don't have that kind of excitement around uh, the internet as we know it today. There, there, it, that excitement did exist 20 years ago, but I, I understand what you mean. Uh, as, yeah. as things become pop culture and mainstream, by definition, less novel. Yeah, and I think this is something really nice about that. I, I, you know, I wasn't, I was too young during like the dot com stuff and all that. Like, but now this, I'm like, I'm fully here for it. I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Same, same for me. I was, uh, we got commercial, sorry, residential internet um, in like '96. I was 10, and I didn't really get like access, access to a computer until. I don't know, I was like 15. Um, and even then, like, I only use it for like surfing the internet and playing video games or like looking up walkthrough guides for games I couldn't beat. Funny story. I don't know if you, you played Legend of Zelda Link to the Past on the Super Nintendo. Uh, but it's, I, my, my cousin gave it to me when I was like 10 on the Super Nintendo SNES. And I have an identical twin brother and my sister's 18 months younger than me. And like, we played the entire game up until basically like the last 15 minutes of content. And we could not figure out how to access that 15 minutes of content for basically five years. <laughs> because I couldn't find it. Like, you know, you had to go to the library to get to like a Nintendo Power or whatever. Like until the internet was around, that was when we got to finish the game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that must have been so satisfying to finally finish it. <laughs> it's much more satisfying just walking around in circles, like just like picking up rocks and throwing them at random trees. Anyway. <laughs> and ironically... What, 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 and what was it? What was it that you guys needed to do? There was, was a, the... a, I think, a special wall that... So in the game, you could like shift between like the regular world and the dark world. And there was some yeah. wall that you had to like shift into that world and then put a bomb next to a wall crack would only appear in the wall in the dark world and then you like explode that and then like Ganondorf or something is inside this room and then you fight him it's like a five minute fight and the game's over uh, I, literally and that uh, was it yeah it, it, it was it was years of us not beating that game and, and ironically I just had that same thing happen like last week so I have a Nintendo Switch got it for my kids for Christmas and we're playing ironically of all games Zelda uh, Link's Awakening, and it's very, it's like a 2022 or 2021 update of that same style of game, and we went through, there's like eight dungeons in the final boss. We went through seven dungeons in like two weeks, and then for the last three weeks, we were just stuck, and finally last <laughs> week, and I said, screw this, I'm just going to go look it up, uh, went to the gaming guide, and then we beat the game over the weekend in like another hour and a yeah. half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So nice. You, so you're obviously this, a massive Zelda fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I grew up on it. I grew up on it. Uh, one of the greatest franchises, I think, in the space. Uh, 
so you, you've been in, in the metaverse space, uh, back to, to you know, gamifying everything, the metaverse and the play to earn space now for you know a, a year and some change, it seems like, two years, two, three years? Um, I think so. We, we've basically started, we started building the game and the marketplace late last year. So that mm-hmm. would put us at like, maybe like October last year. And so since then, and I've just gone, I've just gone really, really, um, I've gone ham. I've, uh, <laughs> I've, I've been just trying to do as many meetings with, with Web3 experts around the world and, and just people, just enthusiasts, people that are just trying to learn themselves. And I've just talked with everyone that will talk with me and I've talked with them and, you know, asked them about their experiences and learned from them and learned, learned from, you know, what they've been doing or what they're thinking about. And then I've, I've gone through over 10 books on Audible now on everything from like DeFi to like, you know, cryptocurrency to like blockchain technology to like NFTs to now I think I'm on Austrian economics at the moment. Mm-hmm. And there's just, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot out there to learn and, and there's a lot of people willing to, to help you learn. And there's a lot of resources there that will help you learn quite quickly if you, if you really want to. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think I've done a good job at learning quickly. Um, I've, I've really immersed myself in all things Web3 since, since going into the space. And it's, it's something that I think happens to a lot of people as well. Like something about this Web3 space, like once you get the bug, you're, that's it. You're, you're on, you're in. This is, this is it. Like you're ready to go. Because there's something about the Web3 space that just pulls you in. And just, you just want to learn more and more. <laughs> certainly certainly yeah like once you understand what it is and what it what it can represent uh, you know optimistically um you know it's it's everything you're it was like you're breathing it you're breathing it and, and I, I had that same experience I was like everything that i every bit of information i could find i was trying to get my hands on and, and i didn't do audiobooks i probably should have or learned a lot more you know it seems like you you made up for lost time yeah yeah audiobooks for me um have been great because I'm not, I'm not. What I'm not very good at is picking up a book and reading it. But what what seems to work well for me is just popping in the headphones when I go for a walk and just listening. And most books will, you know, like most books on average I've found are like twelve hours of listening. Um, but you'll you'll find books that are like three hours or six hours. A lot of the Web three books at the moment that are on Audible are only like three or four hours long. Um, there's a, there's there's a range, but yeah. You can get through them pretty quick. You'd be surprised how quickly you can get through them on Audible. It's really cool. <laughs> if you don't mind, could you share your reading list or, or listening list, if you will, for those who are, who are ironically listening and also watching? Thank you for joining us if you're, you're viewing this live. Yeah, let me read out. I'll read out some of the um, some of the Web3 ones from the library. Hold on. Just load up the app. Okay, this first one, The Basics of Bitcoins and Blockchains by Anthony Lewis. The Bitcoin Standard by Saifedean Amos, Blockchain Basics, NFTs for Beginners and Cryptocurrency DeFi by Nakamoto Satoshi, which I think is a play on the, the name of the Bitcoin creator. I don't think it's the, that, the that same person. Clever. <laughs> 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 uh, the Blockchain Basics Bible by, again, by Nakamoto Satoshi, this writing group. Um, Again, not the probably probably not the original group. <laughs> right, right. Um, blockchain ultimate guide to understanding blockchain, 
Mark Ga- by Mark Gates. Um, Ethereum Complete Guide to Understanding Ethereum by Mark Gates. The Internet of Money by Andreas M. Antonopoulos. Um, let me see. This is... Very quickly, not to interrupt you, but that same individual, Andreas Antonopoulos, he also teaches a free intro to... Uh, I'm blanking on it now. Uh, Nicosia University has a free like intro into cryptocurrencies. This is not a plug for them, but I, when I, I signed up for that, when I thought I had time to do it, um, he was teaching some of the modules. Since you, you mentioned that, just for your knowledge, yeah, he his book was he his book was a compilation of university lectures that he had done around the world. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. He's 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 a very smart, switched on dude. <laughs> yeah, that's I didn't know that about that. I'll have to check that out as well afterwards. Um, because I'd I'd be interested to learn more from him. He was it was definitely one of the more interesting books. That one, yeah. Yeah, I think he's still actively. At least when I I signed up for it, at, you know that one term, he was actively like doing Q and A and like proctoring course. I don't know if he's doing that this upcoming term or whatever, but for sure he's in. He's at least indirectly involved with it, not directly involved. Yeah, it seems like he's involved with the university stuff. Pretty pretty heavily involved with university stuff. Um, which is good, which is, which is really good. Um, yeah, and that was that. That was that was them. Then there's some Austrian economics ones, and then there's some other stuff in there as well. I've broken it up with. I'm doing a um, 52 book in 52 week challenge. So if you try and listen to just Web three, you'll go crazy. So you get. A, I broke it up with some other ones like Elon Musk's book and Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey and Ikigai, which is like this Japanese philosophy one and. Oh, there's this, there's this other one, the history of the Silk Lane in this one called um, American Kingpin. That was really interesting, learning about the guy who started Silk Lane. Uh, yeah. Or Silk Road. Or Silk Road. Yeah. Anyway. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that list. Uh, we should have to take some notes on that a little bit later uh, when I go back yeah. and listen to this. So in, in your time in the space, what's like the craziest, funniest, or, or most challenging experience you've had? Oh, uh, oh. Uh, I would say trying to trying to understand how to build a tech product, like how to build a web application, and trying to find people who can help you do that um, for a reasonable price, and uh, <laughs> that's that is just challenging. That is just very difficult doing, especially when you're doing it like well outside of your like expertise, which I which I have been. Like I am, I don't come from a tech background so that's that's been challenging and now it's like it's good now but it it hasn't always been good (laughs) it's just that that's been hard the other thing has been um initially talking to some charities it was difficult speaking with some charities who just weren't ready to um adopt the new technology so I, i created three buckets for charities i put put charities into three different categories, basically. The first category is, nope, not interested, not going to do it, Get it you know, don't send us info. You know, I, had, I had charities I'd been working with for a few years that were fully on board with everything else, but then when it came time to talk about this, they just didn't want to do it. And then the second category was, yep, super keen, um, can you help us do it? And then the third category was, yep, super keen, but we are like a massive organization, so this is going to take months and months just to... You know, there was one one group in particular. It's one of the top ten in in Australia who we're working with, and they were like, 
we're keen, but our next meeting is not even until June, so we can't even meet to discuss like the potential of of having a cryptocurrency wallet until then. <laughs> so it's like things like that. Uh, let you know those those sorts of things are. Uh, are fun and challenging at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I feel your pain. I haven't had that experience here on the, the DeFi side, uh, but I work in esports, um, and, and I've had people say, "Yeah, esports sounds great, uh, but it's going to be three, six, nine months before we're able to do anything with it." And, and they had really good reasons for it. They weren't just making something up as as a long way of saying no. But you know, especially like to your point, if you're working with larger organizations, like. There are levels of approval and bureaucracy and, and workflows that have to be respected because they're there for a reason. Um, some may be overkill, but but they're there for a reason. And every company is in a different place in its journey. And, and every company has a different level of of uh, agility to it. Oh, totally. And yeah, and it's the same for, for every industry as well. You know, um, I think what's what's really interesting in this impact space is, is DAOs. DAOs are really interesting. Because DAOs, when you talk about like how the larger organizations have a lot more bureaucracy and red tape and that sort of stuff, because they, they totally do. Um, but, but DAOs are interesting because they have the potential, you know, over the next five to 10 years, if, if they keep improving, um, they have the potential to start um, basically disrupting charities. And it's, it's really interesting. This idea that you can set up an organization in a new way with a new structure and process with this new technology. And, you know, it, it'll help you to organize resource more effectively and distribute resource more effectively. But then it becomes a question. So I think what, what will have to happen is that DAOs will have to work in collaboration with, with many established charities. And those established charities will have to transition their structure and process into Web3. So they'll have to change how their organization currently works and transition it into a new type of structure and process to support Web3. And then, because I think what DAOs will be really effective at is organizing and distributing resource. But then, you know, if you want to solve a real world problem, eventually someone's actually got to spend that resource to do something to actually mm-hmm. solve a problem. And that's where the boots on the ground that charities have come in really handy because they've already got people they're out there solving real world problems. They've already got the people out there driving the vans and dropping off the food and, and, you know, running the kitchens and, you know, all of that's being done. And what they really need is just a more effective income stream. And that's where I think DAOs can, can really play a really critical role in, in helping to, to challenge charities for the right to solve problems in the world and helping and, you know, creating a bit of healthy competition, which encourages charities to step up and start solving those problems more effectively. I mean, yeah, it could be could be really, really interesting to see how that, that, that sort of all unfolds. You may see some charities starting to incorporate um, DAOs into their own business models on like project-specific basis as well. You might, you know, it could be really interesting. I'm, I'm excited. That's, that's, again, another reason why GiveTree wants to support DAOs because there is a very... There is a number of really, really exciting roles that DAOs could play in impact over, you know, moving forward. It's super cool. That, that's excellent. Um, Chris Smith and I were at a, a Twitter Spaces event last week, and I was saying something similar around like the relationship that that guilds will have with Tier One esports teams. Um, 
this is probably not a popular opinion, but I, I think that guilds will either esports orgs, tier one esports orgs will either evolve into guilds or they may be cannibalized by guilds because of what guilds offer to the gamer that tier one esports orgs don't offer to gamers. But you also have to look at the flip side of that coin where tier one esports orgs have a level of mainstream reach um, and brand recognition that the average guild does not have. So that's why I see, you know, either, you know, to your point, partnerships, um, and then that's, again, the other two options, you know, kind of evolving into a guild or, or potentially if the right game crops up, um, you know, being, having guilds as, as competition and potentially being replaced by them longer term, made obsolete by them. That's really interesting. I'm I'm in the very early stages of learning about guilds myself. I've I've talked to a few interesting guild owners and a few groups who who are like sort of how would I even explain? They're they're almost like acting as like a middleman between yeah between new games and a collection of different guilds that they work with. Like and it's it's really interesting to see. I really don't understand a huge amount about guilds at the moment. Like I'm still still in the very early stages of learning more about them, so it'll be fun to go on that journey. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, I'm, I'm still learning more about it as well, and that's one of the, the things I really love about this podcast is that I get to speak with domain experts like yourself in the uh, philanthropy space and, and people who are, are super dialed in on guilds and, and like uh, Bobby Kunta, who hosted that event that Chris and I were speakers at last week. Uh, he's he's super dialed in, and so he, he's helping me get up to speed like faster than I would myself, like faster than me listening to twelve hours into an audiobook, which is still a great idea. Like you know, just getting some 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 thought leadership time for somebody who is who's breathing it. It's just yeah, you know, yeah, you can't beat that. So true, because you know somebody like Bobby can just quickly bring your attention to like the frequently asked question stuff and like the main points, and just explain like really stream in a really easy to understand quick way like here are the main things that you need to know about like yeah yeah that's super cool i need to speak to bobby i think <laughs> I, I will i will be sure to introduce you to him uh he's actually doing some stuff his his company's called non-fungible events and it was episode what are we at now 23 like 19 18 19 so if between now and then if you want to just scroll through and, and go to the wherever we're, we're basically broadcast everywhere so Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Look up uh, Bobby Kunta. Uh, listen to that episode. And it, it also, I'll, I'll make the introduction, but he's doing basically like hybrid events where it's a live in-person event in the physical world, but it's showcasing play-to-earn games. And there's a strong metaverse component to it. So not only is it being broadcast like digitally, but access to like the NFTs that you have in the metaverse create extra exclusive additional and exclusive opportunities for you in the real person event. Very cool. Very cool. So it's like that utility, is it? Yes, but, utility. Yeah, that's yeah, that's the key yeah. word, utility. Yeah. That's so that's so cool. Yeah, I I would really I'd really really um get a lot of value out of talking to someone like Bobby for sure. I'm sure he could sort of, you know, highlight some stuff about guilds for me to to sort of understand a bit more about guilds and 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 the role that they have to play in web3. I think it sounds like there's a pretty pretty significant role for guilds moving forward. Um, yeah, and I, I think his day job he works for a company. I'm going to get this wrong. It, I think it's blockchain.asia. Let me check this. Or we went live stream. Um, note that someone else's domain. So I will follow up with you when I figure out what it is because I have a really bad short-term memory. 
but for sure I'll connect you with him. Um, as we, we kind of finish up this episode, I want to hear from you. What is either your boldest prediction for DeFi in the next 12 months, or what is something that you really want to see happen in this space in the next 12 months? Yeah, I think like from my perspective, I'm really impact focused. Like my, my goal for the next 12 months with GiveTree is to get, get some, some really good case studies that show that we've got some amazing creator partners that have done some amazing sort of NFT projects. And then they've actually been able to successfully fundraise with their projects for some of the, the charity partners. And, uh, and what, I, what I'd like to do is, is be able to look back after the next 12 months and go, you know, we, we, we actually used Web3 technology and we raised all of this money for these different causes. And we helped make, um, helped creators to earn an income for themselves at the same time. Like for me, if we can look back on like a series of really successful case studies in 12 months time and just go, yeah, like this worked really well, this worked really well. I think that, that then provides a bit of a framework that we can, we can then start to, to, to show people and, and that will sort of help, help with that education and uptake. And, and I think that's, you know, that's, that's what I'd like to do personally. I, and I'd like to see more projects trying to do that as well. I think it'd be. It'd be really cool to see. <laughs> Thank you so much for your leadership in this space. You know, I, I was highly optimistic about the potential of Web3 when I learned about it in 2016. And then unfortunately, over the last six years, I've gotten more and more and more jaded. Um, sad to say, because what I've seen has been more centralization of decentralization. I've seen banks get into the space where banks were the reason, one of the reasons that Bitcoin was created. Um, you know, kind of all of these, these legacy old world power structures can, lack of a better term, poisoning what, what I think the full potential of what uh, blockchain DeFi can become. When I have conversations with people like you, I, I get encouraged that you know there's still a hope for the future. Thanks. Yeah, I, well, I'm glad I inspire the hope for you. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm very hopeful myself. I think there's so many applications for the technology that could be used for good that, you know, there's, there's a lot to be hopeful about. <laughs> Definitely. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, everyone, joining us live on all the channels, Discord, LinkedIn, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, YouTube. Uh, we're coming to the end of this episode. Before we leave, Sam, can you shamelessly plug your project and where people can follow you and your Discord and, and everything to learn more about it and, and get involved? Any major key dates coming up here in the, the short, medium term people should know about? Yeah, uh, sure. So givetree.io is the website. And from, from there, you'll be able to access all of, all of everything. Um, and we're actually launching our crowdfund campaign tomorrow, um, which we're going to open that up to give people a chance to come in and invest um, in GiveTree and actually own a part of GiveTree. And that then... To, in my mind, that then aligns with, with our plan to be an open source project in the future and do a community exit. Um, and yeah, so if, you, if you'd like to, to invest in GiveTree, you, you, you'll have that opportunity from tomorrow, tomorrow onward. And I think that'll, that'll sort of stay around until 28th of April. So that'll run until 28th of April. And then I think um, that'll be it. After that, um, we'll probably be working toward our, our roadmap for a DAO in the future for a community-owned DAO. Um, but at this initial starting point, we, we just started with, uh, 
with an initial company here in Australia that that would enable people to come in in, in a traditional way and and have a bit of a structure there and then yeah look if if you're interested in GiveTree and, and you'd want to be a part of it it'd be awesome to have you on board and uh, you're more than welcome to. And then so that launch is going to happen right here on your website where can people go if they're interested? Yeah, if you go to the website um, as of tomorrow there'll be a link that will take you to the crowdfunding page and yeah, then you can you can invest. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks again for your time. Thank you everyone joining us live uh, for your continued support. For those of you who will be listening to the show when it gets broadcast everywhere you enjoy your other favorite podcasts and audio content, like iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, maybe we'll have an uh, audible book version of these episodes in the future so Sam can get caught up on the other episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for your support. We've got our next episode coming up this Thursday at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's with Alan Yeet. He's the CEO of Sheba Friend. So that, again, will be uh, here, broadcast live. And we look forward to seeing you then. Bring your questions. Good night, friends.